Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's a long one. We're going to focus on verse 27, but I want, and this is something that we know and, and we've heard before. And, and I said, man, but it's still fitting to this day, especially when talking about tribes, right? It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through men, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. How many of us can agree that sometimes that one member is not easy? Right? That one member in your circle is not easy, right? If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Hmm. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, and on those parts of that body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, for that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Verse 27 in the Amplified says this, Now you collectively... Collectively, individually. Collectively? Oh, okay. I'm just making sure I'm reading it right. Our God, our Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each with its own special purpose and function. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have a special purpose and function. You guys got to be louder than that because when we rejoice in knowing our purpose, right, you got to be confident. Just turn you to your other neighbor and say, I have a special purpose and function. We're going to pray. Lord, we bless you and we thank you, oh God, for who you are and what you've done and what you continue to do. Lord, I, I, I lift you up this morning, oh God. I, as my hands are sweaty and clammy and my stomach is, 
you know, doing what it's doing, I ask you, Lord, that your word may come through, come forth, that it may be communicated the way you want, not the way I want, that you may be glorified in this place, oh God, that I may, that we may understand, oh God, that it's always about you, never about us, Lord, and that is simple enough, Lord, to say that the pressure is off. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, there's a few stories that I was twirling with in my brain about how am I going to introduce this? And the simplest one I can say was probably me, my sister, and my mother. Shout out to them because they usually listen to my sermons when I send it to them. Forgive me. I'm going to ask them for forgiveness now for what I'm about to say. So me and my sister and my mama, I grew up in a single, a single um, parent home. It was just us three, Right? And we are all different personalities, all of us, right? My mom has probably the shortest fuge that you can ever think of. She is at 100, ready to boil over in about two seconds flat. My sister is also at about 95 at all times. She has a little more degrees, but she'll also boil over. I'm going to talk good about myself, so bear with me. I am the happy medium. <laughs> so, oh, really, hon? <laughs> so, and I say that humbly because when they get into it, I get the phone call. And it happens more than you guys would think and more than I would probably share because it's recording. So I get this. May your mother... Hold on, hold on, Yvette. Hold on. Click. Hello. Maylene, your sister. <laughs> Mom, I have to call you back. Oh, you're talking to her right now, right? Yeah, let me, let me chisel it out this way. I'll come back and I'll chisel it out that way and then we'll figure it out. So it usually starts off with something about my nephew that my mother doesn't understand, that my mother's like, your sister thinks she knows it all, I've been a mother longer than her, you know, those good old fights. You know, it's always about the kids. It's never about us, me and my sister. It's always about my mother's grandbabies and how we're not doing the right thing by her grandbabies. So, us collectively, we make up our family, right? And now we have our husbands and we have our kids, and that added to our tribe. And now we have to manage all the personalities within that tribe, right? So now I not only stand in the gap between my mother and my sister, but there are times where I have to stand in the gap between my mother, my mother's the common denominator here, if you guys haven't noticed, between my mother and my husband, and sometimes between my mother and my children. And I love my mother, please don't get me wrong, I, you know, she, the things that she's done in this life to better herself, to make sure that her kids are good, is beyond reproach. You know, beyond reproach. And I tell her these things to her face, so please don't say that I don't ever say these things to her either. I'm like, Mom, you're just too much. And I'm the more level-headed one, like I said, so usually I calm them both down. They meet in a certain place. We hug it out. They love each other. And then we're good until, you know, a few hours later where I get the phone calls again. So within that, the bond that, holds, the bond that holds us together is because we love each other, right? 
we would never walk out on each other. I will admit there's been times that if, so let me just make something clear. If I get upset at my mother, it's like, oh my gosh, my mom will call my sister and say, oh my goodness, I think your sister's mad at me. And that's like the end of the world for my mother. Because I told you, I'm the level-headed one out of the three. So, but the bond that holds us together is love. And we love each other so much that whatever differences we have, we know that for the sole purpose of keeping the family intact and building each other up comes before anything else. Right? Anything else. And I'm grateful for my mother. I'm grateful for my sister. I'm grateful for my nephew and the new nephew that's coming in March. I'm excited about that too. And it's just interesting how the dynamics of a family work when there's one purpose and one vision within that family. And it's really for the betterment of all parties involved, right? So when I started thinking about tribe, I said, man, Lord, I don't know, you know, better together. It makes sense. But like I said before, we, we, we look at the disciples. Full disclaimer on the photo. Full disclaimer. So I just want to give you guys a visual. There's somebody smiling in one of these. I doubt that somebody was smiling. Um, that's the reliability of the internet, guys. And I was excited because I, all these men collectively became a member of one body for the sole purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus. And then I started thinking about all of them. I said, Lord, I, I said, it couldn't have been that easy, right? I mean, you picked out people, fishermen, we have tax collectors, we have zealots. I think I said that incorrectly. And there's just, there, I'm like, how did that work so perfectly? It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that for the most part, as I was reading about who they were, I thought to myself, I said, man, we have those same type of people in our communities now, right? We have the one who's outspoken. We have the one who is quiet. We have the one who plays the background. We have the one that's more logical. We have the one that's more emotional. We have the one who thinks they know it all. <clears throat> that's me. Full disclaimer, guys. And I started thinking about the disciples, and I said, man, Lord, I said, what, what did they look like? Who were they? Who were they? Who, who was James? Who was John? Who was Simon? You know, who was Philip? Like, we know about the other ones. We know about the more famous ones, quote, unquote, right? We know about Peter. We know about Matthew. We know about John, the disciple that Jesus loved, right? Because that's how he refers to himself, right? But what about the other ones? Who were they? Who were they? And so I started like, looking some stuff up, and, and I, I saw some things. And I just want to share with you guys just a little bit of context as far as who each of, the, each of these members were in that one body that decided one day, hey, this guy came up to me, said, follow me, and I just kept on walking. And I left everything and kept on walking. Because if you think about it, this was like one of the first clicks. <laughs> right? They had a click. Like, this is what it was. Like, we don't know what we're doing. This gentleman came over to us and said, hey, drop everything and follow me. I don't know who he is, but you want to go? Let's go. And that's what they did. And it's interesting to me because I'm like, wow, Lord, like, that's crazy. Right? Let's call it what it is. It's crazy. They left their families. They left their husbands, their wives, sorry, their wives. They left their children. They left their, their community. They left their houses. They were like, well, he's set to go, so we're leaving, and we're just moving. We're moving. 
you know. And so Simon the Zealot, I looked it up, I did my research. So he was referred to as a religious zeal. So that's what he was known about. He was known all about the law. Like he knew about the law and how the law worked, right? And they say that he was put on the team to counter Matthew the tax collector because Matthew the tax collector was corrupt, right? Because with tax collectors back in the day are corrupted, were corrupted, right? Some people still feel like that about the IRS, but we won't get into that. And, but Matthew was that person, you know, he was a corrupted man, he was, he, he, he paid the taxes and then he took whatever he wanted from him, wherever he, he encountered, right? So some say that Simon the Zealot was the one to counterbalance that, to counterbalance. So right then and there, there's already friction because we've got already two different point of views, right? We have Philip, who looked... It says, it says, Philip fervently sought the Messiah and recognized that Jesus was the promised Savior, although he did not fully understand. How many of us know those people? Where we say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, and you know they're searching for something, and they know they're searching for something. They might not understand it, but hey, I'm going to go with you to a Sunday service. Let me, let me see what this is about, Right? And they come, and they sit, we raise our hands, we're loud, <clears throat> I'm loud, and, you know, you see all these things, lifting of hands and things like that, and some people don't fully understand it, and we're like, all right, but they say, hey, you know what, I'm not quite sure, but I'll be back next week, right? We all know somebody like that, right? That's who Philip was. Then we have Andrew, another one who searched for the truth. And he just followed Jesus. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. And when Jesus came, he said, oh, this is not the guy. This is the guy. And, that's what ha and, that's, and we know people like that, too. We know people who have kind of know about the scriptures. Maybe they're not sure. Maybe some of them have even dabbled in other religions. They're trying to figure it out, but they're still not filled. They're trying to see. They're trying to navigate. And then Jesus comes into the picture. They're like, oh, wait. This is the guy that I've been looking for. That's who Andrew is, right? And then we have, let me, let me say something. Some of the disciples, the Bible literally says one sentence about them. One, right? Just one. Doesn't give us a full-blown description on all of them. And I was thinking to myself, I said, man, Lord, I said, I wonder if some of them played the background you know, to contribute to that one body mentality. I, one of them, I wonder if one of them, if some of them just said, hey, I'm going to chill right here and do what I do best. I crunch numbers. That's what I do for the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, I wonder if, we said, if they said to themselves, you know what, I, you know, I, I may not know all of this stuff, but I know that I'm good at, I don't know, writing. I'm going to write this stuff down. And that's the way, that's the beauty of when you work within a tribe. The beauty of it all is that you have all these different people who come together for one sole purpose. And in the disciples' interest, they were just really looking for the Messiah and looking to lift up the Messiah and looking to learn from the Messiah. So it's, it's possible that these things, 
that these things can happen. It says, Nathaniel was skeptical, but followed along anyway. How many people do we know like that? I don't know about your Jesus, right? I'm not stepping foot into your church, but yet you're the Jesus that they see. But they still hang around you, right? They're skeptical. They're not sure. You know, people have many, many reasons why they don't decide not to attend, why they decide not to come, why they decide to kind of put the brakes a little bit, pump the brakes on things, right? Then we have Thomas, and I know everybody has a Thomas. Thomas is the doubting one, right? That's what the Bible calls him. Thomas, I was reading this and I thought of somebody, which is funny, and it was because I was, I was having a conversation with the Lord a few weeks ago about a person, not venting or anything, I promise. It was just trying to figure it out, right? Because I'm, I'm a thinker and I need to be able to understand everything. It's a fault and it's, it's good and bad, right? So then I got to Thomas and it said that Thomas is the type that he has to feel and touch. So Thomas didn't believe in Jesus and he walked with him. So check this out. Thomas walked with Jesus and he didn't fully understand Jesus until he was able to stick his hands in holes, touch him, see him after the resurrection. And what's interesting is that Jesus didn't say, Thomas, look at you. I can't believe you don't believe in me. I'm walking with you. You see me on my miracles. You see me doing this. No, no, no. Jesus was like, all right, Thomas, you know what? You standing there, I'm coming right to you, and we're going to meet here. You need to feel me. You need to touch me. You need to know about me. No problem. I'm standing right here as your living proof, right? And we know people who are like that, and we... we Sometimes we have this idea that people should know better, right? And just the other day I was thinking to myself, and I, sh I think I shared this with Ruben. I said to myself, how impatient we are with people, right? We were all created differently. We were all created with different personalities. You know, I just figured out that I don't like to be told what to do. I know nobody likes to be told what to do, but I'm going to tell you the extremity of my not being told, like to be told what to do. That's how I know it's extreme and it's not healthy. My mother brought me back iron from Cuba. Iron liquid. I've suffered from anemia. I don't know. She said that the doctor that she stayed in his Airbnb said for me to drink it. John was like, are you crazy? That's not even FDA approved. <laughs> he was like, you start growing a limb, what are we doing? I'm like, well, but my mom said the doctor. He's like, oh, the doctor from Cuba, that we have no idea who he is, sure. So I left it alone. My mother brought me the bottle in the car again. I told John, I said, hey, hon, mom brought me the bottle. So he looked at me, he said, and I, and I said that I don't, you know, that no, like you shouldn't be drinking that. My insides felt like they were going to burn on fire. And I looked at him, I said, you're telling me that I can't drink my iron? Let me Google it. Like, give me a second to try to figure it out. But don't be telling me that I cannot. At that precise moment, Holy Spirit is like, are you serious right now? And while I'm, 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 I'm still arguing, right? I'm still arguing my defense. But I felt when the Lord was like, that's not normal. 
You cannot get upset because he's asking you not to do something. And the, upset, the, the anger that it produced inside of me is what the issue was, right? The anger, the little shifting of my skin that I felt when he said you cannot was really the issue. And what I said to myself, and, and then I started thinking, because guys, I'm, I'm a thinker, right? I started thinking to myself, I said, man, how impatient are we with others who don't think like us? Or who don't do the same thing we do, right? Or who don't process things the way we do. And I said, and Lord, you are so good. So good. Because you created us. And yet you know each and every one of our personalities and how they fit into your kingdom. Just so you guys know, I brought that to my therapist about being angry. Full disclosure, right? I started going to therapy. Best thing I've ever done in my life. Amen? Because I understand that those things, without Christ, my boldness or my... My boldness without Christ really can damage, really can deter somebody, right? And I'm glad that my husband understands me enough, and he just looked at me, and he said, all right, no problem. And he wasn't combative, but he had enough patience to say, all right, let's, let's, let's look at this. You know, let's think about it. And I said to myself, I said, Lord, you are so good because you created us in such a way and you know us and you speak to us the way we like to be spoken to. Not because you have to, but because you love us. And I'm like, and you're the creator of the universe. You speak and galaxies occur and, and stars shine bright and, star, and stars fall from the sky and comets flow and meteors flow. And yet you speak to us the way we know, the way our personalities call us to be spoken to. And that's a beautiful thing. And I say that in the context of tribe because we do get frustrated with others. And I'm sure that the disciples have frustrations within each other, right? I'm sure they have frustrations while they were walking with Jesus. You know, there's conversations that we, that we see that we're like, hmm, they look like they're about to, you know, they're trying to figure it out, you know? Is he the Messiah? Is he not the Messiah? How can you not say? I don't understand, right? Thomas doesn't really say much, or it doesn't say anything at all really in the Gospels, but it's interesting because they, he, they still quoted him as doubting Thomas. So I wonder in my, in my thoughts, I'm like, I wonder if he walked around second guessing every single time. You fed who with how many fish and loaves? How you did that? No, he had the truck in the back. He had the truck in the back. I didn't see that. Did you see that? There was too many people here. I didn't visually see it. I don't know. But you guys are following this guy who had the truck in the back, right? And that's what happens to us. When we are connected in a tribe, when we are connected as a people, we're not always going to agree. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't need to agree on everything. As long as what, the main focus will always, is always that Jesus gets lifted up higher. That's it. That's it. And it's interesting to me because Peter, you know, I was reading about Peter because Peter was the bold one. You know, Peter was the one who walked on water. I don't know, guys. I don't know if I would hear somebody say, come and walk on water, I would get out of the boat. How many of us would? 
No, seriously, if that's your personality and you're like, yeah, I'm getting off the boat. You know who would? My daughter. And Mariah would get off the boat with her four-year-old self and be like, Jesus, I'm coming. Right? Because that's her personality type. And it's funny because as I was reading about Peter, I'm like, yes, Lord, this is the one. This is who she is. She is this one. She is the one who is outspoken. She is the one who's going to cut her ear off. <laughs> she's the one who's going to put her foot in her mouth. She's the one that's going to, you know, she's the one who's going to trample over everything you can find. She's the one who's going to be like, I would never, you know, deny you. She's, that's what she's going to do. And Peter, is, and Peter is, he was a fisherman. In those times, fishermen were like unkept. Like they were just scruffy looking. If you think about like somebody in construction, no offense, Danny, and things like that, you know, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Peter looked like. You know, Peter looked like this tough guy, and he was the one that, you know, who was probably the loudest out of all of them. He's the one that is mentioned. He's the one who saw the transfiguration. He's the one that saw the, the, the raising of Jairus' daughter. Like, he's the one who saw all these things, you know? And he's the one who, when they came to, to arrest Jesus, he jumped in front, and he did cut off somebody's ear. Right? He was like, oh, no, we, we, no, you ain't doing this. He's the one that you want on your side, right? And I said, and I said to myself, I said, that can't be easy, Lord. That can't be easy when you have all these casts of characters and backgrounds in one place. We all know somebody who we feel talks too much, right? I mean, let's be honest. When I sat in a college classroom, <laughs> I, I'm very quiet, believe it or not, when I'm, in a college, when I'm in a college classroom. When I was in school, it was always one, one student who has something to say about everything and anything that the professor said. <laughs> one. And I used to sit there and used to go like this. Are you serious? Are we really going to argue because she's using red instead of white chalk? Are we really going to argue about this, right? And that's how I imagine Peter to be, you know? I imagine him to be the one who, who said how it was and what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And I'm sure that some of the disciples were like, no problem, right? Because you have people who are like that, people who are, who are good at taking instruction, who are good at forging forward, who are good at uh, being, you know, being um, in line, you know? Then you have those who, you know, kind of, are the nicest part of, hey, do you think that's really a good idea? You know, I don't know if that's a great idea. I understand, but how do you think we're going to get there, you know? <clears throat> and then we have those who just do their own thing, right? Enter Judas, Iscariot, right? So I was, I, as I was reading about Peter and I said, man, Lord, I said, isn't it amazing how what our personalities can do within a tribe without you can be destructive, right? Because if God created, if, if we're believing that God created us, right, he created us to be who we are, and within his glory, and it's pointed to Jesus, we can be unstoppable. Unstoppable. You guys hear me talk about Amariah all the time? Because she is, for me, my Peter. She is my Peter. She's the one where I'm like, at four years old, 
her boldness is not cute. Her boldness is, let me keep it together because I don't want to catch a case. I'm working through it, guys. I really am. I'm like, I'm not catching a case today. We take it day by day. But her boldness pointed to Jesus will change the world. Her outspokenness pointed to Jesus will transform lives. Her boldness pointed to Jesus will lift up the name of Jesus. And that is what I'm speaking over her life. You guys don't understand, my daughter is like a little 21-year-old. We went to the doctor. She wasn't feeling well. She wait, she's sitting on the table. She, go, she waits for the doctor to come in. She tells the doctor, I'm sick. My throat hurts. I've been coughing all day, and I have not eaten. She's this big. I'm looking at the doctor like, what are you doing with all that? I didn't have to say a word. You know how the doctors ask you? I didn't have to say a word. So I'm like, so the doctor's like, oh, oh, okay, no problem. Tell me more. Tell me, you know, tell me exactly what you're feeling. So I'm right, you know, went on. The doctor hand sanitizes her hands, right? And Mariah looks at her and goes, you're not putting on gloves? I looked at the doctor, I was like, welcome to my world. And the doctor's like, well, I just washed my hands. And Amari looks at, looks at her again and says, I think you should put on gloves. The doctor goes, no problem, I'm going to get gloves. But that stance, that conviction, right, within the workings of Jesus, within her community, within her calling, within the people that God calls her to be surrounded by, will lift up the name of Jesus. It will lift up the name of Jesus. And I know it sounds this small, but the principle of her character being used in conjunction in a community, in a tribe, in a place where she can, she can boldly exclaim what God has done for her and boldly exclaim what Jesus will continue to do for her and boldly say, hey, my God, he... He sent his son. He died on the cross. He, I, I'm alive because he made it happen, right? Because I'm, he, I'm here because of him. If we all know my story, Amariah is my, they call them rainbow children after you miscarry. That's what Amariah is. She, her name literally means promised by God. She can say in, within her community, hey, I'm here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. He's here for a purpose. We may not all function the same way, but guess what? Pointed to Jesus. We are all members of one body. All members of one body. And what Reuben said today during huddle was crucial, and I was ready to give, I was ready to give him the mic today. I said, you know, Reuben, you got this. Because what he said during huddle was so crucial. We are called to pull the best out of each other. We are called to pull the best out of each other. Does that take a lot of patience? Yes. Does it take a lot of Jesus? But when you have a gathering of people in one accord, in one vision, you can change the world. Don't take my word for it. 
That's what the disciples did. One accord. They understood. I can imagine walking three years together, the bumps, the bruises, the, the, the hitting, the, you know, I don't know if they ever got into a physical fight, the Bible don't say that, but, you know, you can imagine all these things, you know. I can imagine that it wasn't easy. We're not saying that living in community is easy. We're saying that when it's pointed to Jesus, it's possible. That is what we're saying. We're saying that when anything that has a vision and a purpose and you know where anybody stands in their circle and everybody plays their member part, nobody, nobody in the kingdom of God is insignificant. Nobody. Not the person who cleans the, the, the bathroom, not the person who sweeps the floor, not the worship team, not the pre Nobody. Nobody is insignificant because we are built in such a way that God has created us to live in community. It is better together. It is so better together. You know, I, I, you know, my husband, I love him to death and probably beyond. <laughs> I know, guys, I know. It's a little, I'm telling you, therapy is working. <laughs> and I honor him. I honor him because he takes this journey with me. And I am not the easiest by far. He is way more easygoing than I am. But we're better together. And we understand that. Hello, high water. We're better together. When you have that placed here in your mind and it is transformed in your heart, you can stand next to someone in your tribe and say, we're better together. I may not agree, I may not like, I may not, but your purpose is just as, your purpose matters just as much as mine. That's it. Not because I said so, but because God says so. Right, because if it was up to us, we'd be like, nah, your purpose won't. You know, I, 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 tore, I, t I tear myself up because I, I'm not a big, per I'm not, the tension within me is, I'm like, I should give you guys like 50,000 scriptures. <laughs> That's my tension, with my, my fight within me. But I just want to, what I, if we get anything here today, really, is that within our sense of community, and the worship team can come up, Within our sense of community, we can change the world. The disciples were living proof of that. I just want to show you guys something, and Diven, if you can bring it up here. All these places, all of these places were where the gospel was preached after Jesus resurrected because 12 men decided that life is better together. Because they decided they were gonna put their lives on hold for who Jesus was. They covered a lot of ground. They covered a lot of ground. 
And in community, you can sharpen each other. You can build each other up. You can share each other's burdens. You can do all that. And, you know, it's funny because the Bible doesn't talk about their sharing burdens. And, but they're flawed just like us. They were flawed just like us. And I'm sure they had reservations and they had ideas. And, they, you know, I'm sure they got, you know, cocotazos here and there. I'm sure they, you know, they, you know. But you know what? They trip forward. And that's what community is about. It's about tripping forward. And, and as we, I know some of us have closed out our community groups now, and we're going to be starting our new one soon. And, and guys, I encourage you because, because you're a part of, integral, of an integral conversation, of an integral, uh, of, of just a, a, you're a part of spreading the gospel. You're a part of spreading the gospel. And within community, you have a, a, a set of, of like-minded people who are chasing one thing, and that's Jesus. And chasing Jesus, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. I'm going to share with you guys just something that I... First Peter 4. There we go. Peter, the one who cut off the people, you know, ears and stuff. That one. And I, feel, and I read this and I was like, wow, Lord. I said, because this keeps it real. And the very first line, he says, above all, love each other deeply. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's insane. Your gift is a form of God's grace. That's what that says. doesn't look at us for our shortcomings. He looks at us for our potential. And because he can do that for us, Peter says we should extend that to others. Because your gifting and what you're good at may not be somebody else's good. It may be somebody else's bad. My husband is a big picture person. Huge picture. Hun, I want to take over the moon. Hmm, great. How are we getting there? Babe, I don't know. All right. I got this. My data plan of how we're taking over the moon. Hun, that's how we're getting there. Really, babe? You think we can, we can do it? Here's my detailed list. We complement each other. In community, you complement each other. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give. 
or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.